If you love me, please don't judge me. Got my hands tied, the power's above me. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just a puppet here. If you wanna place blame, then look to the puppeteer. Family, fortune, envy, jealousy, privilege, passed on, legacy, secret, sabotage, borderline, felony, suicide, subtract, selfish, pedigree. When well, the love's gone and the hate's there, better watch out, cause it ain't fear. Your family, Welcome back to the family, Most Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm your other host, Chanel. And we are back for season four, episode four, Succession, Honeymoon Show States. Is. That's the name. Yeah. Honeymoon States is actually a great name, by the way, uh, for the episode because, <laughs> because Connor's going to go on his honeymoon in Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Michigan. Which you think that's why? They're, no, that's what, it's, that's, that's what he had. So remember during the show? They're like, yeah, uh, but I'm saying that's why they named it that. They are. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So they're con heads too. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, and uh, and um, Connor was like, "Yeah, we're going on our honeymoon," and he says, and "He names the states," and then Willa goes, "Yeah, honeymoon states," which yeah, is a random going. line in this episode to name it. But I love that because that's like what podcasters do. Exactly, they just pick exactly. random lines and name the episode. Um, yeah, he keeps trolling her about this wedding, bro. Well, they already married now. I'm um, uh, yeah, but like he trolled her about the wedding ceremony. He's trolling her about the honeymoon. Like, come on, kind of give her experience. He's running for president, Chanel. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Has some difference. Okay. But here's the funny part: is like that man. We ain't seen not one campaign manager. No. We haven't seen not one like what do they call them? The people who work under them, like not volunteers, but like not any no congressional pages nobody so um that's what's so funny about it is the only thing that keeps him in the race is his new ideas well they said that the ele- this episode shift said something about the election being next week like she says like the elections next week when they were mm-hmm. talking about making coming yeah so yeah. maybe we'll see something with connor or maybe they're just playing it as a joke like connor's just out here running for president we'll never see anything about it but mm-hmm. th- that's not like this show to do that. So I think exactly. something. I, I think something would come of it. There's but, also I had sent I had sent you that theory that this the rest of the show it happens day by day after day. Like the next the rest of the show is gonna be seven days, like seven episodes, which are seven days of the week consecutive. And I and I don't know that that's true, but this episode is the day after the last episode, and so I am hoping that's what we get. Yeah, this episode is definitely the day after. Um, so we'll see. I know they have to eventually go to Sweden because we saw it in the preview. Yeah. So like happened. I don't know how long it takes to fly from New York to Sweden. I feel like it's maybe 12 hours or something like that. So they probably well, however keep many that hours up. they took to make yeah, however many hours they took to get uh Logan back, you know. It did well like Logan didn't even make it to Sweden. Remember, he, right. he it was like he was probably maybe like an hour or two on the flight before they had to turn around. And right. Come oh, back. Okay, yeah, yeah, okay. But I feel like you can go to Sweden in a day. Like, I feel like it's not that far. I don't know. I've never been to Sweden. Oh, my God. Let's go. Let's do our first live show in Sweden. Uh, You know, I've been watching Instagram videos because, so on Instagram, my algorithm is all full of, like, it's either, like, Instagram models, before and after videos of, like, home improvement stuff, Mm -hmm. food restaurants, and vacation spots. That's it. That's my entire Instagram. Just one okay. thing after another. That's a valid algorithm. 
and I've been seeing a ton of Sweden stuff, and it looks so cool over there. And I'm like, I said something to my wife. I was like, look how cool Sweden looks. Like, I sent her a DM. Like, look at this. Sweden looks awesome. And then and she, she was, was like, like, who is this? No, <laughs> she said, you didn't see the movie Midsommar or whatever. And oh, I was like, <laughs> my God. And she's like, I'm not going to Sweden. I saw Midsommar. And I'm like, what? I don't know. I don't see that movie. <laughs> It's in Midsommar, by the way. Let me tell you something. That movie messed me up, and I don't <laughs> know if I will watch it again, but if you, I might potentially be persuaded to watch it if <laughs> you watch it, because it's literally it's an unforgettable movie. You cannot watch it and be like, oh, I wonder what, you remember everything about that movie. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I'll see if Jeff wants to do it on Bad Meaning Bad. I no, it's no, it's not even eligible. I mean, it, you can do it on there, but it's not eligible. It's like one of the, it's like a great movie, but so it's, it's like a good you, movie. It's a good movie, but it's like oh. do you want to mess your head up? Like, okay. do you want to be messed up? Do you want to be thinking later, like, wait, did they do it to the parents? Like, that's what that's what you end up thinking and i'm gonna okay. leave that question hanging in the air i cannot wait for you to watch it please let me know but i i actually was kind of hard from watching it so, I didn't <laughs> <laughs> all right, so maybe anyway, i'll watch that maybe that'll maybe that'll make me not want to go to sweden um all right no, so i think before- knowing you you'll be like yes let's get there let's get it <laughs> before we get into the recap of the episode um what'd you think about this episode overall and how they followed up Logan dying. And then the third question is, did you think that, did you miss Logan being on the show? Um, I'm going to miss Brian for sure because like he's so in a weird way comforting because you're like, he was so consistent and he's a character like you just could understand you know? Um, But did I miss it? Was I like, oh man, I wish he was back. I, I don't think I even had time to think about it in this episode for one. Um, for two, I think that um, from here on out, because they're not doing like the big, big like there, there's there's only so many more like shocks they can give us at this point because they kind of gave us the biggest one already. So I feel like I'm just taking it all in at this point of like what they were giving to us, what, you know, the characters like I'm really caught up in the moment, like I'm caught up in the in the shiv of it all. And I'm caught up in like the Romans caring being caring and sweet like i'm caught up in all of that so much so yeah i think it's obviously i just expect the writing to be good at this point all right what'd you think about this episode i feel like everything i just said plus good (laughs) like it was good (laughs) what did you think tell me tell me more about from you because i think you watch it a lot more closely than i do um the second time i watched it i picked up a lot that I didn't the first time. Right. Um the 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 show's ability to like tell multiple stories, but they're like all the same story. Like this entire episode was shot in one set, right? So it's all in Logan's house. There's right. no other bottle episodes. No yes, yeah, a bottle episodes, no other set pieces. But it seems like there's like four different storylines going on in like this one house during a wake, which is like generally in a TV episode, this would be like very like condensed to like one thing that's happening. But it felt almost like a it wasn't a who done it, but it felt like I was watching like knives out, where it's like a bunch of things going on in this one house, 
and it's all going to come together like at some point at the end. And so it was really cool how they told that story. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. All right, so Chanel asked to talk about this through the characters, but I did not take notes in that way because I'm not as smart as her. Um, no, that's not true at all. It's just um, I was I really just like to wing it a little bit. But um, let's okay, yes. Hopefully that wasn't a lot of static just now. I dropped my mic. Let me pull up these notes because I think we should just go through like the C characters to the B to the A characters basically. And so okay. the way that I think we can talk about it is like okay. So for example, the first group, Marsha, Greg, Carrie, Colin. So these are people who like all have had some significant impacts on the show. But in this in this um episode, we see how like they are gonna have. I mean, Greg, I think is still like a question mark, but you kind of see like everybody shifting. So somebody who was super impactful in episode one or two being Carrie, right? Like she had a storyline about like she might be the new anchor. She spoke for Logan on behalf of the, to the kids. You have somebody like Colin, who he is the only person he opens up to. You have those experiences, and now you see those characters completely on the other side of the spectrum. So uh, let's start with that. So, like, for example, Colin, right? That's a quick recap. I didn't even rem- I didn't even recognize him because when we see Colin come into the wake, he is awake, right? What is it? It's not yeah, awake. No, it's yeah. awake. Mm-hmm. When we see Colin coming in, Roman's like, he wears jeans? How does he have jeans? Because they probably seen Colin in a suit every day for the like of the last 20 years of their life. Yeah, and Colin was dressed of- like Colin was dressed like uh you know, you ever see like on the campaign trail for like a president or a camp or a politician, and when they have to like go to like the factory or like go to the basketball game. And they put on like the button up shirt and they roll the sleeve halfway yes. up and they have the dad <laughs> jeans on. That's exactly what Colin looked like. He was like, dressed he was... like undercover undercover secret service, basically. Yes. He looked so out and he looked so awkward by not but he wasn't even really doing anything, but he just looked awkward by not doing anything. Right. Until He's he like, got back. Whole... But the thing with Colin is he got back in his element when he was basically acting to Marsha as he would with Logan and throwing someone out. Then he was back to being like sturdy, like look like he's back mm-hmm. in place Colin. But when he's just like trying to be a normal person, it was so fucking awkward. Exactly. And you would like to, I mean, I think that's also, you know, you can give, I think the show has earned being like giving them the benefit of the doubt that that also, that was also strategic. Right. And then um, under just coming to understand him as a character, like, we don't know if we'll ever see him again. Maybe he does become Marsha's bodyguard. Like, I hope in this universe that he's getting, he's well-paid. I hope he never has to work again. You know, like, you would just hope that somebody who Logan did trust, but ultimately can manipulate, is taken care of. Like, I don't know why I would expect that from someone like Logan, but hopefully Colin is there to pay his respects and not because he's, like, thirsty for the next job. Um, so that's Colin and that's what I mean by like the summaries because there's really not much else he does he'll come up with Marsha but like that's it and then we have this really so Marsha's back I guess I should just say right like Marsha's back in the way of like she's who greets everybody coming into the condo and she without a word just is like yeah this is my condo remember we're still married we never got divorced and she's she's comes in with such a she comes in the way that you would expect Logan's wife to come in, but she also comes in the way that like somebody who killed their husband would come in. Like she just came in with so much, like this is my house now energy. 
um, to the point where, like, Kendall didn't even know if she was back in town, and, like, that is his stepmother. So, but anyway, they, I just... They, they tied this back to season one. So, if you remember season one, one of the big story plots in season one was the kids were, like, worried that, like, Marsha was had had Logan's like ear and was controlling him and how he was editing the will to like give her stuff and 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 add her to stuff so that she has stuff and they were kind of getting frustrated like thinking that Marsha was going to take over stuff and then last season when Marsha was basically got kicked out for Carrie she basically said something like I'll go but you got to pay for it and it appears to be that that pay for it was I'm going to give you this $60 million condo in New York City, which is definitely um, definitely a come up, which I, I didn't want to jump ahead of you, but ties into the one of the most powerful scenes in this entire episode to me. This, in, this entire episode was when Willa and Marsha spoke to each other and Marsha was like, look at you. You surely made something of yourself. And then she and then Willow was like, as Willow was basically like, yeah, kind of like you. And it was just like this understanding of like what we're doing here. And you know, we are playing our role, but we're gonna play it all the way through, including being a loving wife, which was like it was some it was, I don't know, maybe I mean, maybe it's better for you as a woman to speak to it, but it was like some type of like taking the power back type scene to me, where it was like, yeah, like I'm marrying for money, but I'm in control of what I'm doing and I made a decision to do this. And I know exactly what I'm getting out of it. And it was like something powerful about that scene to me. I mean, I think that's accurate. But at the same time, the way that I read it at the time was that I think on some level, um, Marsha thinks she's above whatever Willow's doing. So it's like, yeah, they had that recognition, but it's almost like, like, I didn't feel like Marsha was super duper, um, like I feel like she was acknowledging it but she wasn't but like that's the last time she's going to speak to Willa in her life kind of thing um I'll I'll pull that scene up but I wanted to before we get there obviously we got to talk about this transaction that happens right so um you know Connor had this very stoic reaction to his father passing and like you know he just kind of got with it and understood and still went on with his wedding and compartmentalized so he comes in he's not upset to see Marsha because again his mom's already been treated poorly like you know um his he's first mom energy he's like yeah this is a third wife I'm, I'm straight but he basically starts asking about, I, I, let me just play it actually because in hindsight I don't even remember how it started um but I will mention Greg for the first time and so Greg is here and he starts to he tries to talk, talk to the kids early on and they're like fuck off so then he goes to Marsha's side <laughs> So the first thing you might hear is Greg talking. Let me share. Should have been. Oh. Okay, found it. I am so sorry for your loss. Thank you. See how they run. Yes, scurrying like little rats. Oh, Marcia. I'm so sorry for your loss. Thank you. To you too, Connor. Hi. Thank you. Marcia, we'll catch up later. Yeah, okay. of course. Okay. Congratulations. Hmm. Thank you. Look how far you've come. Yeah. We'll look at us both, right? 
Oh, I'm sorry about everything. I mean, after your wedding, to have to do this. Oh, uh, we're going to head off next week. You know, we've got a little trip planned out. Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, Pennsylvania. Mm, the honeymoon states. <laughs> yeah, like, I thought Marsha's face and reaction was not super duper into it. But, like, I assume she was like, look how far you've come as a couple. But I do know that it's like a wife to a rich man uh, connection as well, even if they won't, like, connect. And then Greg is so funny, bro. Like, just uh, saying, I'll catch up with you later. They have nothing to catch up about. They <laughs> Like, that's literally, like, the third time they probably talked in life. So all of that. Well, Marsha was, Marcia was very friendly to Greg. Uh, it, it's like they had some type of connection. They were hanging out, like, the whole time. Because we see them again. Greg is there talking to her about Carrie when Carrie shows up. And she's right. and her and Greg are bouncing it off each other. It's almost it's like they had like some type of connection of some sort. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I feel like I assume that it's it's similar to what um Logan would have done. Like he's inconsequential, so why not keep him around at that point? Like, or just to have somebody to gossip with, because she's not gonna say, Marcia, don't talk about her like that. She's really nice. She's not gonna do that. So just him like parroting. I think it's potentially interesting in the way that he like is no longer under Tom. Like he's, he's trying to move around. He tried to check in with the kids. They rejected. So Marsha like gave him some vibe. And so I'm just saying for him to be calling Carl and Frank little scurrying, like little rats, like he just got, he's just the type of like, you start, you start letting him like talk slang and then he doesn't stop. And you're like, Oh yeah, I created a monster. So anyway, there's, um there's that scene between them. So Marsha basically we can, we can do Marsha to Carrie. So Marsha and and uh oh my gosh, what is this man's name? Connor. <laughs> I keep wanting to call people their real names. Marsha and Connor are talking in this scene right he right here. And long story short, Con Connor is like, Can I have the condo? How much are you selling it for? Um, that's not exactly what happens, but that's basically what he gets to. And she's like, 60 to 70 and he goes 63 and they she spits in her hand and they shake on it and I was just like did this just happen at the wake yeah you get past uh realtor fees right but I just I don't I guess I'm crazy because if my stepmother oh this is triggering if my stepmother didn't leave my dad's house to me I don't know because remember, I've said in the past, like I'm, I'm the Connor of my family. I this, I don't know. I, I would never pay my stepmother for my father's house, but I do understand that Connor is like so mature that he's like, no, this is, this is just business. This is how we do. The second stepmother, um, right? Also, the fact that the sixty-three million is like a portion of the hundred million he would have, he would have spent on his campaign. So at least he's using that money wisely on like an appreciable asset. Um, instead of a one-time expense but yeah well, his I just dad thought... did leave his dad did leave him a shitload of money so like i think sure. he just left shit to everyone so the house is the marcia this is this apparently we'll get to it in a second but apparently he left some shit for greg so yeah, i think the, was just leaving stuff for very people. confusing yeah i don't know he did seem to me like the type of man who didn't have a will and would shit all over his kids he definitely seem like the type to like have three different drafts one draft they he hates them the next draft he wants to feed you know end world hunger like all those things so i was really nervous about the will um but anyway rounding up this this group of characters 
Carrie does make her way in and Marsha is ready for her. Um, I'll find that scene. Here we go. So Marsha starts by saying, I don't want her up, meaning, um, am I still sharing? Yeah. She said, I don't want her up knowing that Carrie's coming. I don't want her up. Okay. Come on. Come on. Easy. <laughs> Easy. Hey. Um, what's, uh, what the is going on? Are you okay? Is this yours? You okay? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Cool. I'm good. You're good? Um, do you need to help you? Sorry, I don't know if I have your private number. Can you send that to me? I got it again. Do I have your Take her out the back. Yeah. Oh god. Here come the waterworks. At the back. Dang. No, keep playing. The best part comes oh. after that. Gotcha. Take her out the back, Billy. That's always nice to hear. Marsha. That was unnecessary, right? We're calling her a taxi to the subway so that she can go home to her little apartment. That's the best nice. line of the show. Yeah. I mean, they're all cut like this. They're all cut like this, bro. Like, they don't care at all. I mean, for her, I totally get it. I don't remember kind of how her and Logan grew apart but i think that she kind of knew what she was in for with that type well of they didn't grow apart logan just started fucking carrie and okay, spending yeah, more so time with carrie and then yes oh yeah marcia was just like they're like they're trying to get the kids were trying to like tell marcia like hey look what the fuck he's doing and she was just like i know what i got myself into mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i'm a, you know i'm gonna be fine in the end and she basically like negotiated with logan to like go leave for a while and let him do his thing Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I mean, I my thing with Carrie is like it was. I mean, it looks sad, but like you chose to fuck the horrible man with no like the thing about Marcia and Willa is like they were clear in what they were there for, and they made sure to get what they were there for. Because remember, before kind of married Willa, she was a sex worker, and she was basically like. You know, <laughs> you're gonna. She didn't. She didn't want to stay for long. There. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna be there, but I'm getting my money, and I'm coming to get this shit. And Kent and Carrie was thinking like, I'm gonna get all the stuff. Like I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna get all the stuff. He's gonna give it to me, but she didn't secure anything. And so mm-hmm. I remember last season they had talked about Logan was trying to have a kid with her, and it doesn't oh, appear yeah, that that happened. That. It doesn't appear that that happened. So she's now shit out of luck because there's no way Logan put her in anything. So mm-hmm. not only is she not getting anything from them, she also don't really have a position in the company because she's useless to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so Mar- Marsha is basically like, take your broke ass back home on the subway, <laughs> which was such a fucking devious line. I love that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, now that you remind me of how things happen, I totally agree. Like, I think it makes sense. Um, as an actress, though, she shows some good range on there because that was a really, like, you know, like that you felt that scene and you're like, dang, you know, every hoe has a bad day. So um, I just, I did feel for her. And then Roman showing that empathy was like crazy because we do forget that this this is actually a human being, not just an edgelord. So all of that was like- um, But that was so weird to me because Roman has been the hardest on Carrie out of all the kids. He's the one always talking about, Oh, you have time to talk to us? Did you take my dad's dick out your mouth? Like he's just saying all he's just demeaning her nonstop every time that he sees her. And then now he felt like he had to like show empathy to her. It was very weird. Yeah, I mean, is he demeaning to her? Yes. But is Carrie also like actively about that life and demeaning to Greg and other people in turn? Also, yes. Not to say like anyone deserves it, but just saying like those are kind of the rules of order. So with that said, I feel like, I feel like, oh my God, his, <laughs> I'm thinking of every, I should not podcast this late, Roman, oh my God, I literally was about to call him every other word name. Roman, in my mind, is a person who says what needs to be said in the moment, right? So when, um, when Connor didn't know if he was going to be married and Roman kept saying like, oh yeah, she's just out with some stud, don't worry about it, like, even though that was so annoying and so like juvenile, it really was like breaking the tension in a way just by saying what everyone's thinking and on their mind. So I I don't, I know he says stuff for shock value, but in a way, I just feel like he's just kind of reading the room. And in that instance, he was just like, oh, I joke around when I know people can take it um, outside of that lady at the, at the, at the, uh, helicopter hanger who he said he would ruin like outside of that he usually like knows place and time I feel like so anyway that was what it was like I think you know he just has an edge to him and I also think like Siobhan like he's the way he is as a defense mechanism so it's interesting to see when people pull the the curtain back because for example Shiv has a chance to be a human being this episode and she does she chooses she declines she very much declines okay sorry we got off to Roman in them Okay, so that was like a good summary, I think, of Marsha Gregg, Carrie Collin. Greg obviously is just trying to figure out where he's going. Well, we didn't head. talk about the big moment for Greg is when he finds out that Logan wrote his name on a piece of paper. It's for a disbursement. So that basically he wrote like a disbursement for Greg with a question mark, which was a hilarious line because it's like, what the fuck does that even mean? Greg gets a disbursement question mark? <laughs> like, Maybe. <laughs> maybe Greg gets some of this money because if you remember he says, nevertheless though that was also a good line but if you remember last season Greg made a play with Logan mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. he had that conversation with Logan he was like I'll back you on this and I'll you know I'll spy on Kendall for you if you cut me in on something because my granddaddy gave all of my inheritance to Greenpeace so mm -hmm. he ain't got no inheritance so he's, he's fun, working man. on trying to secure he's still trying to secure the bag so i think that was legitimately logan logan the one thing it appeared logan to be was that if he gave you his word it appeared that he kept it like he was keeping it with tom he was about to fire sid before he died he was keeping it with greg apparently giving him some money so i apparently i, mean, I guess he, he keeps I think his word he, yeah i think that's i don't want to take that away from him but i also think he keeps his word he only makes 
I guess what I'll say is he only makes a promise strategically. That's what I feel because he very certainly, um, you know, like he he promised Tom something and then took his time with it when he was ready kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like he, like, mm-hmm. he, obviously, you know, he was dying, but it's like he didn't do it immediately. Like he kind of, he kind of wanted, he kind of touched your loyalty, I feel like, to, to like the furthest extent of the law, basically. Um, anyway. So the, I, I pulled it up. Let me let me play this with Greg because yeah, like again, I'm 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 so so on the man himself, but the Greg character just always keeps giving. Okay. Uh. It, yeah. In in what uh, capacity? In in what fashion? You're an addendum of miscellaneous matters in pencil, with a question mark. Nevertheless, Dad may have said he wanted me to take over. And so then maybe the natural conclusion might perhaps be I'd be his number two. (laughs) Nice track. He probably wrote it down so he can remember your name. Mm, We had a good rapport. You had a good rapport? I feel I heard he wanted to see less of you. That's probably like 50-50 fire Greg or kill Greg. Mm, I think that it's not that kind of question mark. I Mm. think it's possibly it's a wonder it's a doodle we just wanted you to be aware it's a wonder (laughs) what does that even mean bro oh i mean the nevertheless like the eternal optimism is why the people who think greg is gonna end up owning it all is like not not impossible to me it's not impossible i was listening to a podcast and they were basically saying like out of all the white privilege on this show, Greg has like the peak white privilege, even though he's like the most normal because he's also like clearly the most incompetent person on the show. And somehow he's made the biggest change in position from when we first meet him to where he is now, while also not gaining apparently any skills or discernible knowledge to get him to that position. (laughs) So it's, and I was like, I was watching, I was like, that's absolutely true. Every time we hear him, he appears to just be an imbecile that fails his way into some sort of success. But the institution does never ejects him. Like, they brought him into the room. They could have kept him out of that completely and waited till the world reading. But they brought him in because they want to they want to just acknowledge mediocrity. So it's funny that he gets he gets that given to him, but he is written down somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. Just to talk about the will real quick, like they find a document that was like in between a bunch of different papers in Logan's state, meaning that they can kind of date it back to a couple years ago. And obviously, if we remember, the first episode was about Kendall succeeding Logan and then Logan snatching it back and all that. So um there's a timeline where it makes sense that logan wanted him to be the successor there's a timeline that makes sense when he scratched his name out there's a timeline that makes sense when he underlined his name out like all of this has happened in the expanse of this show so um you know he it definitely would not again not trying to hate it never would have been shaban because there's just no reason for him to have said that um i do think that like as a sibling, she should want her due late, as she says later. But again, there's no reason he would have just said her. And then Roman not getting a mention is kind of crazy, but this is the document. So we'll come back to it when we talk about Kendall. Um, the next group of people is just is Hugo, Carl, Frank, Jerry, and Tom. So like that crew. The um, so oh, the letter is play, in there. That's hilarious. I need you to play the scene uh, to start because mm-hmm. this this was my favorite scene on the show. It's at eleven. 11 minutes and 30 seconds. It, it, okay. it, 
this scene, first of all, before they go and talk, <laughs> the the way to get away, by the way, they're all by themselves. So they could have just been straight up about it, but they still mm-hmm. had to be secretive. Yeah. So yeah, Frank yeah, says, yeah, yeah, yeah. who wants to go take a look at the China <laughs> to go talk, which I died laughing. And then we get this incredible scene, which is basically everyone pitching themselves to be the next yes. CEO while everyone else tears each other down on why you shouldn't yeah. be the next CEO. And and, the, and Tom gets it the worst, which is hilarious. Absolutely. Well, the framing of it too is why I hate corporate America, like the double speak and the inability to just say, I think blank. And to like, so listen to how um, Fr- Frank is going to couch it. No, it's Carl. Secondly, I just wanted to note something. When I sent you the character list and like how I wanted to group them, I didn't, I forgot, I did put the will in there. Like the will is in there as a character. So it's just coming later, but okay, let me, let me play this clip. So the aim is we'd like to make an announcement today stating who we think will take over in the interim ready for Monday. Right, and here's my position. I wonder if we don't want to take control of the plane here. Well, the, I guess the first thing is the Gojo deal, the board, the shareholders, everyone's very keen. No, exactly. And I tell you, I worry about the kids' commitment to the deal. If we called around the board, Frank, you'd hold a lot of sway on the interim appointment. They'd like senior management input, yeah. Right, and if the message we gave was to be, you know, but that the kids are... are Screw-ups and dipshits. Maybe uh, <laughs> pause not it, pause constitutionally it. well-equipped. First of all, Tom is already making this play. At this point, Tom is super confident. Like, because at no other point in his life would he say that. And he would never say that in front of Logan, first of all. He would never say that in front of Logan. It's true. They are screw-ups and dipshits. Mm -hmm. The rest of them know that. But here's the thing about Tom. While Tom may be, like, slightly competent, I mean, like, slightly competent, has some skills. Those other people, they are actual professionals. And we see that in this episode and in last episode. Carl is the CFO. Frank is, like, Rogan's right-hand man. Jerry's the, uh, you know, the lead attorney. Like, they're actually, Carolina, who we'll get to, is, like, the most competent person on the show. Like, she is the best person at her job out of anyone there, from all I can tell. These are all, like, competent people. And so Tom thinks, oh, I belong with these people. Let me show them how I belong. But he's actually showing them why he does not belong because he does not know how to do, he does not how to do the corporate speak. Because even in these well, types of meetings, you do the corporate speak. Yeah, I think what's really interesting about it though is like he does corporate speak all day long. I think he just thought he could speak freely at this point. Because it's like, oh, Logan's gone, right? We don't have to worry about that. And they're still, so I actually don't know who I agree with because they're still sticking to these norms, even though if anybody should be able to talk shit, it's these four, right? Um, And like, but maybe, you know, who knows how the meeting would go if Tom wasn't there, how freely they would speak. Because I feel like, you know, the Carl, Frank, and Jerry trio actually, like you said, are actual like professionals who have 40 years together all that stuff you know so they probably but and to tom tom is like greg to them i just realized you know tom yeah. is coming in interloping and it's like we don't know you for real we can't wait to get rid of you okay so let me continue at this point mm. to take on the role yeah. i guess the question then uh would just be who might we favor jerry obviously is a safe pair of hands she's done it recently yeah 
Although, obviously, generally speaking, the CFO might be considered the natural interim. Yeah. I guess you've already had your tilt at the windmill, huh, dear? Exactly. I've already done it, and quite successfully. And it's an interim role to do the deal. I get it done. Pause it. Pause Buckle it you quick. into your golden parachute car. So here's the interesting thing here. I have a lot of comments on this one. So one, if you remember last episode, the only other person besides Tom and Roman who knew that Logan was firing Jerry was Carolina. Because he tell Logan tells her right before he gets on the plane, hey, we're giving an axe to Jerry, get everything and make it nice, you know, whatever. But we're giving the axe to Jerry. So she knows that. And she strategically was like, I'm backing Jerry for this, which is interesting. I don't know if her and Jerry are friends, and that's why she's doing it, or if it's strategic, because she knows she she knows what was about to happen to Jerry. And so she could get some some benefit out of backing Jerry, knowing that Jerry was about to get the axe. So I thought that was super strategic. And I thought it was interesting that Frank wasn't putting in for himself. He was putting in for Carl as a CFO to run it, which in a real life scenario would be one of the people, one of the most senior people considered for this. It would generally be the COO, which is Roman, or it would mm -hmm. be the CFO, like in most scenarios, it would be the interim person. Yeah, I think like it definitely, I also think it can depend, like there could be a sales, per a chief sales officer moves up depending on their relationships, but like the people inside the company would know and a mm -hmm. healthy CEO would be making it clear like they let me tell you something that exists in corporate life everywhere it's called a succession plan <laughs> and it's mm -hmm. well in advance put together and agreed upon on every level of leadership so like the idea that there's no plan for Logan is kind of like going back to my theory that he actually is not that great of a businessman and just more of a, a corporate bully because these well are they the had one do. remember when the show started there was a clear succession plan. It was Kendall, and everyone right. was behind it. Because remember, the whole board was about to go with Kendall before right. Logan bullied them out of it. So there was a succession plan, but the kids successfully, out of incompetence and backstabbing and idiocy, just blew that up. And then Logan just never... Because then he had, he had made... um, What was that woman's name that was with Nam? I forget her name. But she he basically made... Noms uh, took Noms like right hand person and made her the like person in waiting when he was supposed to give it to Shiv. Like so, mm -hmm. at, at some point he just started fucking with them. Mm -hmm. I almost think it was purposeful at this point. Like I think he was just the rest of my life. I'm just gonna fuck with these people who don't listen to me. Mm -hmm. Like I right, don't know. but but that's but that's my point, right? Like even a family business, even with nepotism, if you're using your corporate like talent roster as a way to teach your kids a lesson like George Bluth, it's not gonna, like, it's just, it's not good business, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's so interesting about, like, about, like, how we watch a show and kind of normalize it, and then when I take a step back, I'm like, wait a minute, no company of this size can ever operate like this, like, family-owned or not. So anyway, um, let's finish the scene. Oh. Well, <laughs> don't push me out the plane so fast there, Jer. Oh. Well, with the old man gone, I can't help but wonder if I don't have a little left to give. Look, I think you're a corporate legend. What you did in the 90s with cable. Such a shady line. Yeah, she got him. She got him. Oh, it's not around anymore. 
I would just like to say to the senior group of very respected graybeards that all this is my I favorite part. personally asked is the chance to serve. I mean, I'm sick with grief. Oh, you're sick I, with grief? You might want to put down that fish taco. You're getting your melancholy everywhere. Very funny, but were the opportunity to arise, all I would say is that if there's a ring, my hat's in, respectfully. Well, I would just say, um, if we were to recommend you to the board, mm -hmm. the question they might ask, can, can, can I frame the question for you? But as a friend, <laughs> so, just, great. So, so you'd be, sure. be prepared. The negative case would go, you're a clumsy interloper and no one trusts you. The only guy pulling for you is dead. And now you're just married to the ex-boss's daughter and she doesn't even like you. And you are fair and squarely fucked. Jesus, Carl. Uh, Frank, can I? That's the best. That that should be on um, Crystal and Kid Fury. That should be on the read. That is the read of the week. That shit was fucking fantastic. That is exactly who Tom is, like to a T, who he is in his situation. And from that moment on, Tom knew it. And the whole rest of the show, he's doing exactly what he's doing is trying to play all sides to find a way back in because Carl just basically shitted on him in front of everyone. That was the greatest line. And he, and he I swear to God, I rewinded that like four times. It was the funniest shit I've seen. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, he definitely like told him the honest truth. And it's like, that's one of the few times in this show when somebody's like that blatant about it. But I, I mean, I do... I hate it in real life, but I love on the show the way that he like took his slow, slow time to put that out there. Like he 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 couched it so kindly that when he really said it, it really just smacks you in the face. As a friend, can I share this with you? And then and then goes in on him. Um. So yeah. So basically, long story short, they're the ones who discover the will. They think about flushing it down the toilet, but they don't. They share it, which I think is a good choice. Um. Then um we so Jerry's like, hey, I was interim CEO before, just let me do it, let me get the deal done. I don't think Jerry has any crazy ulterior motives. Frank and Carl are like, look, this company's about to be no more. We've been here 30, 40 years. Give us a chance to say we were CEO once. Carolina, like you said, it just knows who she wants to follow somewhere else. So she's looking at competence, she's looking at like you know, healthiness. I didn't realize until now how many times how many times Carl mentions a plane. Um, he says, let me fly the plane. Don't push me out the plane. I'm like, stop talking about plane. I cannot believe he keeps talking about planes. <laughs> well, this is also a big distinction on the difference between being rich and being wealthy, right? So, like, I know for us poors, they all seem rich. But there is a clear delineation right. between Carl, Jerry, Frank, all of them, who are probably very, very well off, and then the, the Royce, who are just, like, a, a completely different stratosphere of wealth right and yeah. so the i so these people you know we may think oh they could just retire and live fine but like i don't know they probably have multi-million dollar houses like they probably can't just you know they probably want their golden parachute to live the rest of mm -hmm. life for all the work that they put in all the bullshit they took up for, mm -hmm. put up with for 30 years to cash out and like get what they feel like they deserve so like they're rich but they are not wealthy but they would like to be wealthy 
and becoming CEO, closing this right. deal. If they want to continue to work, right? Let's say Jerry doesn't want to retire. If she closes this deal as CEO of Royco, she could go be on a board and possibly be a CEO at somewhere else that's yeah. looking for to bring someone in. But I do think uh, this is a little bit more ego than his career because like none of them are tainted in the way that like we know Tom is where he didn't re- like he earned his job through nepotism. So all of them will land somewhere or could land somewhere. And I think if they were really like strategic about it, then they would be, um, you know, if they're strategic about it. They would be figuring out who really make, they would be acting like the kids who actually makes sense. Let's pull for them. And let me get my, pa- like, let me get my golden parachute. Let me negotiate. Hey, if you make sure to give me this, you know, this is all legal, but if you make sure to give me this number, I will back you. And then we all win. Um, So I do think there's ego in it. Like I said, they just want to be able to say they did it. But again, like all of them are somewhat qualified. Like Frank probably has the least official title of all of them there. Um, but he definitely has like the 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 senior leadership ranking or whatever. So yeah, I mean this is a great scene. This is I, I do want to close them out. I feel like um they are there to actually think about the company, but also obviously like this is their career, this is their life, like this is their life's work. And they're recognizing that like if they're not careful, it can all their reputation, everything else can be tied up in Logan's death instead of like in the work they've done. So I feel for them there. And like you said, Caroline is the most professional, all that stuff. So um, we have that scene, that understanding. We have a scene with Tom and Shiv. And I just want to, well, no, actually, sorry, I'm going too, going too fast. So let's just talk about the kids in general, right? Like, so we see Connor come in earlier with Willa. Um, but we also see in the very beginning of this scene, we see that, uh, of, the, of the episode, we see the kids kind of like, trying to figure out how to cope like they're trying to cope um and it is tough so like roman's just kind of existing he says he's post like he's post grieving um which means it's probably gonna hit him like a brick wall at some point um kendall is like sitting around looking like he's just going through it um but you know somebody juxtaposed that opening scene of him like wrapped in a blanket outside for some reason and then his smile at the end of the episode it was like we're, we're you know Kendall Hive is back baby and then um Shiv is laying in bed and she gets a phone call and like within the end of the phone call I'm like oh she's pregnant and so Twitter of course brings up like that she skipped champagne at the wedding the day before so she knows she's pregnant when she divorces Tom what psychopath I'm pretty sure they got pregnant that last time they fucked when she told him I didn't love you. Right, exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, psychopath, you divorcing him without telling... Like, I'm not saying she shouldn't divorce him because of the kid. I'm just saying that, you know, you are making a lot of decisions right now. Maybe she's hormonal already. I, I'm not saying bad decisions. Women make bad decisions because they're hormonal. But I'm saying that maybe that's why I don't understand her choices because they're not exactly the choices I would make right now. So I'm trying to give her like leeway for that but in general I think that again in a case where someone's not abusive and not all these other things like that's his right to know and so um we'll see what happens well, with Shiv that storyline but I'm yeah Shiv is clearly taking this the hardest out of all every literally everyone <laughs> all the kids the family members the work the people in the inner circle she's taking this the hardest because I think 
she and she says it in this episode when she's talking to Tom. She she basically says she thinks that she killed him, and so she has this guilt. Like I hate I the last three months because basically we were told that the first episode picks up three months after Italy, right? So when when he turned on them, so for for three months she's hated this man, did not talk to this man, and then and then thinks that she killed this man who happens to be her father while she's pregnant, while her husband turned on her and backstabbed her at the same time. And by the way, in this episode, she's picking up that her brothers may turn on her or think that her brothers are going to turn on her or backstab her. So all these things that happened at one time, she is fucked up. Like she's got a lot going on. Yeah. I mean, yes. Well, QBD on what happens with this baby announcement and or lack of announcement and how she handles it. Um, you know, t- Tom literally just tries to show her love and she rejects it. And that's where I'm like, you know, again, everybody's uh, different. That's how you took that scene. He literally said, I, let me be kind to you. Yeah. Right? Yes. But he, this also was in the context of after he already told Kendall let me let me um let me serve you i'm here to serve i need to make he's basically like i said some things because he turned on kendall in that restaurant mm-hmm. when kendall went to him and he was like i said some things that i shouldn't have said i'm sorry you know i'm here to serve and he tried it with roman saying hey roman i was there when you came back to your dad your dad tried to let you in let me back you up i feel like he was just going through the kids trying to figure out a way to get back in their good graces and his way to get back into Shiv's good graces was this. Um, that's a super cynical take. I'm not gonna say it's wrong, but I will say that there is perhaps some evidence that Tom can be doing all this conniving and still be like caring about Shiv. Like just just based on his history, like yeah. there's always like an organic element to how he talks to her, and even like the only thing he's done like even when he did his stuff in italy it seems like after that he still was trying to connect like can i explain to you why like i want to talk it through like you know i know i did something wrong but like let's check so he's i think he's like still emotionally available to her so anyway and even if he is you know being strategic it's still like one of the only reactions to me that felt human like it's one of the, it, it was clear to me that like this is the person who did get raised outside of this type of space um because you see somebody who's sad because her dad died you know there's all this other stuff going on but like you just try to connect with them for a moment um everybody else is kind of like I guess he is jockeying for position but just in that moment I guess I guess a better way to say it is like that was the only moment to me that felt like emotionally somebody was actually like dealing with it outside of like making fucked up jokes or denying it or pushing it off or getting angry instead so i don't know that to me felt i felt something but i took it the other way i thought that shiv was the only one being legitimate in that moment because she basically opened up and said to her i feel like i killed my dad my brothers aren't showing me any support i feel like i'm the only person here feels like they lost someone and then my husband, she wanted to say my husband turned on me, but she stopped herself in the middle of that statement. She was the one that was opening up at that moment. And she basically broke down to him. 
And then I thought Tom, I do think Tom does care to some level. I agree with you uh, with on Shiv. But at that moment, I felt like he thought it's, it was like, so um, in, in pro wrestling uh, uh, a few years back, Stephanie McMahon, Vince McMahon's daughter was like the C uh, chief marketing officer for WWE. And she did an interview and she said, like, she made this statement that the new marketing is philanthropy, right? That was that was like her line. Essentially, like, the new marketing budget, the new advertising is giving. But it's giving for the purpose of marketing, right? It's like, I'm giving, I'm going to do, like, these charity things, but it's all to, like, help me make more money and grow the corporate budget and Da 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 da. Right. So mm-hmm. it was like so. Like you're you're still doing a thing, right? So like the Make a Wish kids are still getting the wishes. Like these good things are still happening, but they're done with this ulterior motive, even though they're still a good thing, right? And so that's kind of how I took that scene. It was like I do think I do think Tom was genuine in the sense that he cares about Shiv, but I felt also felt like that was his way to get in with Shiv. Like he was trying to figure out his way to get in with everyone. And his way to get in with Shiv was that. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be layered. You know, they, uh, that's just like one of the only, that's one of the, the only non fan, that's one of the only romantic and heavily layered um, relationships to me because I feel like the Logan, like we, we could break down Logan and Marsha in five seconds, you know, Logan and Carrie, five seconds. We could break down like Kendall and his ex wife, Kendall and the, the Naomi, like, all those things are like very transparent and this relationship is so complicated. So um yeah, I mean actually was doing that it. reminds me, I wanted to ask you this. What'd you think about Carrie saying Oh yeah she talks to Logan every night? I Wait, mean, Marcia Carrie, said uh, Marcia, that, yeah. That she talks to Logan every night intimately. Fucking liar. You think she's lying? Absolutely. Okay. You don't think she's actually having phone sex with Logan every night? No. I don't think they talked at all. But you know what? Because she's like, you're not going to pull up the phone records. I, I just know that, again, whether I killed him or not, that's how I would show up. That's the type of energy I would have showing back up. Like, bro, like, I mean, how is it different from Kendall saying we were not estranged? We had a family event last night. Same same energy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I thought you were going to bring up, like, you know, Carrie just crying about the... um. <laughs> about like we were gonna get married he said he was gonna write it down on paper that i loved i hate to say it but i love that because i was like such a that is you grasping at straws like can you try to find the paper like can you try to find where he scribbled my name on paper and quit and put an exclamation point next to it i just thought that was so interesting i do believe he's probably told her that though right oh absolutely but yeah. but she's she didn't get no proof and also like there mm. is no real there's nothing even proof doesn't mean anything like she's not in the you know in the will so anyway um and that's not something you would update your will for so let's be let's be clear about that um anywho lesson learned getting in writing so i don't know i guess i'm curious to hear from listeners like do you guys think that tom and siobhan like who is genuine in that i do i do see what you're saying that that shiv was opening up i totally see that in hindsight um but and i think that tom had a very like 
the frequent response is going to be no, 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 no. Because even if you do think that in that moment, you see someone spiraling and you just like, I feel like automatically the human reaction is like, no, 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 don't think like that because you're scared that person will go down like a deeper, darker rabbit hole. So anyway, that's that's where I took it as like, oh, he he's like just present with her because if someone's like, I've had such conversations like that and I've always been like, it's not your fault, whatever. Even if there's some point that you should validate in there it's just you know anyway so that was just familiar and the writing was so good that it just made it better and sure like maybe he's trying to manipulate her but at the same time he just doesn't want to not be married either so I think he has a lot of reasons to want to get back with her um Roman like I said before is having this like he's post morning which again we'll see what happens he had that moment with Carrie and then Matson calls him and they're all together and they're like, mm, ignore, which by the way, they, they, he called them during the wake. So we already have disrespect. I know Madsen's already an asshole, but this is like a little bit more than that for me. So he calls, they miss it, even though they could have answered it. They call him back whenever, three minutes later, two minutes, 10 minutes later. And the guy, this, this Swedish, I didn't know Swedish people were so rude. This dude answers and, oh, let me find this call. Actually, I just realized that's better to do. Um, oh, I think it's right here. So his name was Oscar. Yeah, you ready? Yeah. Um, oh, hey, Oscar. Uh, this is Roman Roy. Uh, Lucas called, but I was just rounding up my chimpanzee friends because they want to say hi, too. Is he there? Uh, oh, uh, no. He, uh, he went now, he says. Uh, okay, right. Um, so can you get him, please? Yeah, well, he was, he was calling last chance, unfortunately, because, you know, we, we have this... Uh, a company strategy this week. Hey, this is Kendall. Come on, man. We dropped a call because we wanted to all be on out of respect. Can you grab him? It wasn't a power play. Oh, sure, man. No, that's cool. No, we know. It, uh, this isn't from him. He's just on a super tight schedule now. Okay, well, does he just not want to say hi? You know, is he still buying the company? <laughs> oh, sure, man. Maybe if you don't speak too tight. No, no, he's, uh, he's excited to speak to you guys. Uh, who will be leading? Uh, we're just huddling on that now. We're a pretty fluid group. Yeah. But listen, seems like maybe your retreat has come at a good time. Yeah? You guys get your ducks in a row. We do our board, pick our captain. We can reconfigure in a week or whatever. Yeah, well, we, do, we don't, we don't want to lose momentum. Uh-huh, okay. No, nor us. You obviously know what happened here yesterday, right? Oh, sure, yeah, yeah. We really feel for you guys. Bad one. <laughs> yeah, 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 bad one. Thank you for that. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, uh, could you guys or whoever, one of the old guys you have, like, be here in 24 hours to do this? Sorry, our, our dad just died, and we have the election coming up. Uh, how would you feel about doing a meet in the U.S.? Daddy, this, this is the annual retreat. We can't just drop it. Oh, no, I totally see that. Fine. Marsha. Yeah. I am so sorry. I mean, what a power play. Yeah, I mean, hey, man, see, here's the thing, man, in, in that world, I mean, it, you don't, there's no time to sleep. It's always about the business. That's how the corporate world works. It's very cutthroat. 
and the kids, Kendall. I was proud of Kendall this episode because he seemed to be, he seemed very much like when we first met Kendall, where he's mm-hmm. overconfident. He thinks he's smarter than he is, but he's mm-hmm. also at least has a purpose. Like he found his purpose. Like earlier this season, he said something like he's looking for his next addiction now that he's been yeah, clean. Exactly, yep. And I've so like he, that. he found his purpose again. Roman, Roman doesn't really have a strong business mind, but Roman knows people. And so Roman was kind of just like, he didn't really know what to say in terms of like fighting the power play, but he could tell that it was a power play. In that sense, like he knew exactly what the person was doing. He just didn't really know how to go about it. And mm-hmm. of course, Shiv, who's totally fucked up more than the other two, is trying to like hold it all together. But she's like bringing nothing to the conversation. Like she's just mm-hmm. like making them look like morons with her comments. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's part for course for her as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she definitely is like, you know, you in an interview, you're not prepared for it. Like the words sound right. There's something about the order behind them is wrong. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that this was very, I, I do hear you that things don't stop, but like that's, also like i feel like that's also like a self self-fulfilling prophecy at this point because it's like people say that so then people answer and then people are afraid that they're the ones who will like not answer the wrong call and miss out an opportunity but then it's kind of like um but it's kind of like if everybody just kind of start stop doing it like actually this is related i had a thought today and i just realized like every when I say every, I mean, every single teacher should quit because otherwise they'll never pay them more. Like it'll never happen. So it's like nationwide, all the teachers have to walk out to get anything done. And it's like, this is the same thing for like a lack of boundaries in business. Um, Obviously they're at a global level. I know there are people listening who are like irritated, but I'm just saying like, there literally cannot be a difference until people say, I will not take the call. It is my father's wake. We're in here right now. Um, anyway, secondly, yeah, but imagine if he doesn't take the call, but the, but here's the thing. You can't not take the call if the other person calls. So like, so in order for this scenario to work, the other person would also not need not to call when they know the other person's father just died. Right. Because if you don't take the call and you piss off the Swede and you blow up the sale, you are royally fuck. And you're not just royally fucking yourself. You're royally fucking a lot of people and whole company worth of people with those decisions. Yeah, I agree. But that's why this Madison deal is not working for me because he's he's been trying to do, like he's trying to sneak something by them mm-hmm. in, in a way. Yes. Because again, for him to be calling Kendall for out of nowhere, for him to be saying like, don't do the money thing and then they obviously did the money thing, he still was going to take the meeting. Like there's just something obviously going on here that's not completely, you know, some's not right in the milk. And so um, he's also kind of sneaking in this call, right? Like calling them when they're probably grieved to be like, oh, hey, you guys need to be here so there's a possibility they don't come. Um, also kind of setting them up for like, uh, uh, oh, you got, they, like, he's setting them up, like Kendall said, this is always going to be how we acted when my father died, so it also goes to their competency as leaders, because they didn't take the call, all that crazy stuff, so yeah, I don't really appreciate it, but I do understand, like, there's plenty of universes in which, like, this is how work is done, I just think that, like, 
across the across the universe we can think of examples of people who like give not just not just credence to the fact that your dad died but credence to the fact that your dad was also the ceo and the ceo of the company's dead so technically the whole everybody's in mourning and it can wait until tomorrow that's kind of what i'm thinking well here's the thing Um, even there they were having the meeting to name the ceo that day like that's why everybody was meeting in that house was Mm -hmm. we got to name it because i mean the ceo died and we know that he died, but there there has to be an interim CEO, like or else there could be serious mm-hmm. repercussions when it's a public company. So like they had they they had to go through that. And so I think what Kendall was saying, and Kendall brought up your point. Well, Kendall kind of spoke to your point when he was talking to the kids. He was basically like, "Hey, this shit is going to happen mm-hmm. if we're not involved, or if we are involved. Mm-hmm. And if this shit's going to happen either way." I would like it to be one of us and for us to be involved as opposed mm-hmm. to letting the Jerry's, the suits decide all this shit for my dad's, for our dad's company. Cause the train's going to keep rolling, man. It's going to stop at seven twenty-five every fucking day. And at seven twenty-seven, the doors are going to close and it's going to pull off and either you get on the train or you don't. I completely hear you. I'm literally just saying that at the end of the day, like he knew he was calling in the middle of the wake and then he didn't, they didn't answer. And when they called back, still in the middle of the wake, he's in the room saying, I'm not taking the call. So it's like, again, it's just a lot. Um, So yeah, Oscar's in there mediating in a, in a really, like when they started laughing, I was so triggered. I was like, Oh, see, I couldn't do, I don't, this, this level of, corporate intrigue is not for me because that's when you cut somebody out because not only did somebody just die and i'm sad but you laughing at me nah you gotta go you gotta go so i i would have messed the deal up off off the strength personally yeah that's why most people with souls 